As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. What's up, guys? Back to put a bow on week number 17, which would usually mean we're wrapping up the season, but thanks to the NFL adding one more week to the schedule, uh, this is just the penultimate game. Uh, of the season and uh, we got one more to go which is our annual trip to minnesota uh, and when i say annual trip to minnesota i mean that's because I mean, obviously the season is ending because we're going to minnesota so i mean 2020 is a rare exception uh, although they did still manage to make that the last home game for the vikings last year even though it wasn't the last game of the season it was still the last home game for the vikings so uh, the NFL still managed to kind of wedge it in. But back to the old routine of Chicago heading up to Minneapolis in late December slash early January, or in this case, almost mid-January, January 9th, when we're going to be kicking it off. But uh, anyway, before we can talk about that, we got to wrap things up here uh, with our beloved and their victory over the New York Giants uh, yesterday. Uh, in Soldier Field. Uh, I was kind of wondering how the weather might factor uh, into the football game because, like I said, I'm in the Chicagoland area, stayed here for the uh, New Year's Eve holiday and just hanging out for a few more days before I head back to uh, Iowa. And, um, you know, we got some, we got four inches uh, of snow on Saturday going into Sunday. And they, and they showed, like, in, in, you know, the time lapse thing of how they were. Uh, you know, taking care of the field, how they put the tarp over so that the surface was clear. And then, you know, the, the weather cleared up, so it doesn't wasn't really snowing during the game, or at least not enough like it was last week against the uh, Seahawks, where you could see that, you know, it was snowing during the game. You could see the field getting more and more covered and things like that. But uh, so the weather really wasn't a factor, and, you know, which is always a concern when it comes to Soldier Field because of how poorly the turf over the years has been taken care of. You see guys slipping and falling out of their brakes, and, you know, whether interceptions or things like that happen because uh, of the conditions, it, it really didn't happen uh, yesterday, or at least not any in a way that I was aware of, or at least not in a way that affected how the game was being played. 
So we had that, and uh, we had these two awful football teams uh, coming in for an absolutely meaningless football game at the end of a very long season for both teams, you know, um, just, uh, you know, mired with with injuries and uh, uh, poor play and mismanagement. The Giants fired their offensive coordinator earlier in the season, and then the one that took his place isn't doing much better, and uh, they're without their starting quarterback in Daniel Jones. They shut him down a week or two ago uh, to, you know, make sure that he gets into the season, uh, into the offseason healthy and, uh, you know, so that he'll be ready to go in 2022. Uh, comes around, so we were up against Mike Glennon. Uh, then the announcement that Andy Dalton was going to be our starter, not Nick Foles, uh, who won us the game in Seattle uh, last week. I mean, honestly, between the two, it didn't really matter, but it just it wasn't Justin Fields. So for the second week in a row, I'm not upset that it's Andy Dalton. I'm upset that it's not Justin Fields, and you guys know how I feel about ankle injuries. So, yeah, not really thrilled across the board on that one. But, you know, the Bears and the Giants met up, kicked off at noon uh, here in Chicagoland, and uh, they uh, they played football for a little while, and uh, the Bears came out on top. It was uh, embarrassing for the Giants, uh, quite frankly, pretty literally from the moment, from the word go uh, in this uh, football game. Um, and uh, we'll talk more about that because this is the intro. This isn't the show yet. So let's go ahead and get to it. This is the Week 17 Deep Dive Review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Out loud it's January in Chicago, so that must have been it was cold. And um, for January, not really. I mean, 26 degrees. Uh, at kickoff and um, you know the sun was out so getting some of that sun warmth uh, on you I mean today the 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 temperature outside today was 20 28 29 somewhere in that area and yet it was warm enough to melt the snow off the side of my car like I don't have to clean off you know one side of my car because this this the the heat from the sun was enough to uh, clear it off all by itself so um, you know, that's, uh, so when the sun is out and, you know, and then there's no coverage, uh, like there isn't in Soldier Field, uh, that definitely helps. But, um, you know, like I said, from the word go, this ball game went sideways, uh, on the Giants. I mean, the one thing, well, like I was talking about in the Bear Up Bear Down show yesterday that, um, you know, the Bears followed both keys. Because my two keys were, you know, stop beating yourselves or don't beat yourselves. And that was, I felt, especially more important against a team like the Giants than it would be against a team like the Cardinals or the Packers or, or anything like that. The reason that it was important going up against those teams is because where we stand as a team right now, it's going to be hard enough for us to beat them straight up without giving them help. You know, it's it's hard to beat. It was going to be difficult, if not impossible, to beat Green Bay. But it's so much harder to beat Green Bay when you throw a pick six or when you give up a big touchdown play or when you get a big play yourself, but it gets called back due to holding or something uh, like that. The reason that it's 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 even more important against a team like the Giants is because you're already better than them. They're probably coming into this game not expecting much, if anything, uh, against the Bears. And if you make some kind of boneheaded mistake that helps them, it can give them hope or give them a spark that that's all they need 
to carry themselves into victory, into believing that they can beat you, and then you've got a real fight on your hands. Um, so I wanted the Bears to kind of come in and um, just uh, – well, number one, they did win the toss and they didn't take the ball. I was really hoping that they would just to kind of drive that whole thing home. But uh, turns out it was an excellent decision because, as we all know, first play of the game, literally first play of the game, Travis Gibson comes unblocked off the right side, plows right into Mike Glennon, jars the football loose. Uh, Blau Nichols picks it up, runs it down to the uh, two-yard line. And, you know, we're off to the races one play later with Kyrus Tonga playing the role of the refrigerator, refrigerator Perry, like he did blocking for sweetness back in the day, just plows through two guys. He literally blocked two guys as he went through the hole. Montgomery goes in behind him. We're 18 seconds in. You'll hear me say all of this all over again in the knee-jerk reaction here in a minute. But 18 seconds in, we're up 7 nothing. I mean, that was key number two was get off to a fast start. I mean, 18 seconds and you're already on the board against an offense that is terrible and already has difficulty scoring points. You're up 7 nothing. 18 seconds in. Boom. That's check one, check two. You know, it's like don't beat yourself. Beat, uh, Get off to a fast start. Bang, bang, bang. There we go. We're off to the races. And then Glennon throws an interception on the second drive and pfft. You know, it's like this. They're just helping us out here. Uh, throwing the ball for the Giants was a disaster. I mean, and it became a theme. It became, ex- you know, noticeable at the further we went along because it wasn't the same as when the Patriots and the Bills played when with hurricane winds uh, in Buffalo, you know, four or five weeks ago or whenever that was. And the Patriots won the game by only attempting three passes the whole game. The Giants ended up, you know, th- I think they threw the ball. 11 times in the ball game and Glennon was four of 11 and they it was it was only that he he got to 11 when the game was well out of hand it's 29 to 3 now they start throwing the ball it wasn't until like mid to late third quarter before they started just like the hell with it we got to throw more kind of thing uh otherwise I mean they had a drive when they got their field goal drive in the second quarter it was one drive, 10 plays, all runs. They even ran on third and 10. That's how, that's how fear, that's how much they were afraid to throw the ball uh, at that point. Because anytime uh, Glennon went back for a pass, it was a disaster. He either got sacked, which half the time, he got sacked four times. He got strip sacked twice. Actually, he got strip sacked three times. The third time was Robert Quinn's uh, record setter, but that was the one time that the Giants actually recovered the uh the fumble so he got sacked four times he was stripped three of those four times and the other times he either almost threw a pick or he did throw an interception because he threw two picks in the game and we just a disastrous uh passing game uh for the Giants and of course we as Bear fans loved it sort of we'll talk about that a little bit more but we'll go into the first quarter uh knee-jerk reaction You'll basically just hear me sum it up all over again. But, you know, it was nice to see. We we got we jumped out to that early 14 uh nothing lead and we were pretty much able to coast on that uh the rest of the way. Because the the with when because why getting off to a fast start is important against bad football teams like the Giants is because when things go the way that they did and the Bears were up, you know, fourteen to nothing, we're not even halfway through the first quarter that sense of here we go again factors in and the Giants mentally have already lost 
the football game. And it's going to take a lot for them to be able to find their way back into the game. And that's where not beating yourself becomes important. And thankfully, the Bears were able to avoid uh, the catastrophic mistakes that allowed the Giants any kind of semblance of hope or confidence or anything like that so that they were able to uh, manage this football game and dominate thoroughly from start to finish and uh, make it an easy afternoon for themselves in a year where they haven't seen many. Knee-jerk reaction, first quarter, Bears and Giants. And, uh, well, this thing got off to a really fast start. Uh, First play of the game, uh, strip sack from Travis Gibson on Mike Glennon. Uh, recovered by uh, Blau Nichols, who ran it all the way down to the two-yard line. Play number two, the Bears run it in with David Montgomery running behind Kyrus Tonga for the touchdown. We're 18 seconds in. The Bears are up 7-0 already. Um, the Giants get the football back. And the thing that I'm not liking from the Giant or from the Bears right now, on either side of the ball, quite frankly, is the 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 push that we're getting from the line on either side. On the defense seems like you know big holes for Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker to to run through on the offensive side you know Montgomery's having trouble running Dalton's under pressure constantly Peters is starting instead of Jenkins because that's important at this time of year not developing the rookies or anything like that we got to put the team that's going to give us the best chance to win like it matters uh, at this point but uh, I'm not liking what I'm seeing from either front so far in the ball game however on the second drive we get a tip drill interception by Gibson, takes it all the way down to the 25-yard line, and the Bears were able to turn that into a touchdown with uh, Darnell Mooney in the back of the uh, end zone from f- about four yards out on fourth down, actually. We went forward on fourth and one and got the touchdown. So we're 2-0 and in the red zone, so there's that. But, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not liking what I'm seeing from either front. I'm hoping that's something that um, isn't going to affect us in the – long run because there's still a lot of football left to be played not that we're in any real danger uh thanks to the opponent that we're playing but against a better team we'd be in a lot more trouble with the way that our fronts are playing so far but we're up 14 to nothing not much to complain about when you're this bad you can find things to complain about glass half empty alert uh anyway uh that was a point Uh, you know the you know because i mentioned all the other stuff the fumble returns the um, the the interception, the way the Bears cashed in on that on a 25-yard drive, two, two extremely short fields. I mean, when you start at the two, your opponent's two-yard line and the opponent's 25, and you cash both of those in, it's going to be a good day. And, uh, you know, the defense did its part to put us in those spots. And, uh, you know, apparently we, we just, you know, the, the first home game of the year, we had four turnovers uh, against the Bengals who – Yesterday, won the AFC North, so that's a victory that just keeps getting better the further we get away from it. And then uh, we got four turnovers out of the Giants uh, yesterday uh, as well. So or was it four turnovers or f- four sacks, two turnovers, you know, whatever it was. But, you know, we're turnover machines at, in the first and last home game of the year. I mean, this is a team that's got 16, um, 16 turnovers total. You know, you, you rewind back to 2018, we had 36, 37 turnovers, you know, double and then some the amount of uh, turnovers. So it's not easy. It's not hard to see how it is. We've won six games this year, only getting 16 turnovers, and we won 12 
that year by getting double the amount of uh, uh, of takeaways. You know, double the amount of takeaways, double the amount of victories, uh, because you're giving your your offense double the amount of opportunities uh, with those uh, turnovers. But uh, like I was mentioning, the the offensive line, the defensive line, the Giants ran the ball fairly well against the Bears, pretty much. Uh, all day long it's just that they had no answer whatsoever in the passing game and, and I was getting texts from my buddy Fritz was like you know he was concerned that uh, you know the Giants might be setting us up that you know they're gonna you know do the run do the run there especially when we came out in the second half uh, basically loading up the box we started run blitzing in the second half and uh, and things like that he was thinking that maybe maybe that the Giants were setting us up and uh, we were going to sell out for a run, and then somebody was going to be wide open down the field. And I was like, yeah, that's what a smart football team would do, and I don't think we're playing those guys today, to be honest with you. You know, I just, uh, I just don't see that. Uh, not to mention, I don't think they would trust Glennon to throw that pass because they, they can't trust him to do – they honestly don't trust him to do anything. So, I mean, I, I was uh, quite surprised that with the – disastrous start and, and and all the rest of that you know that we didn't see Jake from yesterday because like you know what's what's the <laughs> what's it gonna hurt you know you bring a you know, you bring the young guy in he's got uh you know give him an opportunity see what he can do and uh you know it can't be much worse than what Glennon was doing you know so plus he's younger maybe he moves around in the pocket a little bit better and you know all that kind of stuff and see what happens but that didn't happen, so um, you know the Bears were able to tee off on on Glennon anytime that he went back for a uh, for a pass. I mean, you know, he was he was uh, he almost gave up that um, uh, Quinn almost got his his record setting sack in the first at the end of the first quarter because he had Glennon all wrapped up in the backfield and at the last minute Glennon's arm came free and he pitched the ball out to Booker who ran it for a. Uh, a short gain uh, before it was like third and long and he got about five yards on third and 11. The Giants ended up punting to start the second quarter. But, uh, you know, if not for the presence of mind of, of Mike Lennon uh, pitching that ball away, you know, Quinn gets the record uh, before the end of the first quarter. So, uh, but I like, it, it was kind of weird because like I said, I, I love what I saw from the pass rush, and the, it was clear that the Giants were terrified of it because once we got in Glennon's face and caused the interception, got the strip sack to start, uh, they just kept running the ball because running the ball was the only thing that was working. So on one hand, I was thrilled with our front because they were just destroying that offensive line anytime that they had the nerve to throw the ball. But when it came to running, huge gaps just gashing us right up the uh, middle of the field. I was actually surprised that the run totals were as low as they were with how well the Giants uh, ran the football. That was actually quite surprising. Saquon only had 102 yards. I don't know where where Booker ended up, but I think as a team, they only had like 176 yards rushing or something like that. It wasn't something like I, I was expecting it to be like 200, 220 for the, you know, they were able to get like five yards a clip when they would run the ball. And, um, but, you know, it, it, the, the Bears, the, the defense would cinch up uh, when it mattered. But, you know, in the second quarter, we um, basically just continued the, the, the dominance that we had uh, in the first quarter. And, um, you know, where I was saying before that the defense – 
the defensive line was getting gashed and they were, we were seeing no penetration. Nobody was doing a really good job. Uh, you know, we pinned the Giants back deep in their own end zone on a really, really stupid special teams play. I mean, just an absent-minded uh, thing, and uh, it set the Giants up terribly. Uh, and the defense was able to make the play and, and get a safety uh, for it. It was pretty cool. Knee-jerk reaction, second quarter, Bears and Giants. And um, overall, this game is pretty boring. Um, up until like the last couple of drives, uh, you know, I, I, I was, like I said, I wasn't liking what I was seeing from the, from the front line, from the offensive line or the defensive, uh, line for the bears. Um, but, um, they showed up on the last giants drive. The, the bears kicked a, um, field goal to go up 17 to three and on the ensuing kickoff, the Giants thought the ball was going to roll into the end zone so it would be an automatic touchback, but instead it dies inside the five-yard lines. That's a live ball. They had to go and pick it up. They get tackled at the four-yard line, and the defensive line showed up. They penetrated and actually forced a safety on Devontae Booker to make it 19-3. to The Bears get the ball back less than a minute to go. Two timeouts were able to get it down inside the 30, and Santos put a 44-yarder through the uprights as time expired. So the Bears up 22-3 to three, uh, at halftime. So we've gotten a lot of help from every other place because I think the offense has only generated six points of its own. The rest of it would be points off turnovers and the, the safety. So, you know, overall, despite 22 points being on the board, the offense has had very little to do with it. So... Um, Hopefully in the second half, we start with the football. So that was, you know, the other thing that just is going the Bears way here. We start with the ball in the second half. You know, I'd like to see a little bit more fire from the offense because, you know, just it's 22 to three. You think the crowd would be like into the game or whatever. You can hear a pin drop during the game out there. It's like everyone knows they're watching five and 10 versus four and 11. And a lot of what we're seeing out there on the field looks like five and 10 versus four and 11. So we started the football in the second half. We're up 22 to three. Sounds like we should, uh, you know, relatively coast on this one. And that's what was very odd uh, about the game was despite the fact that we were taking the Giants pillar to, pillar to post and that we had those exciting plays that we've been, you know, basically dying to see from this team this year, the, the strip sack on the first play of the game, the, uh, you know, the tip drill interception that got the ball deep in, in, in Giants territory, the, the, uh, you know, that special teams mistake where, you know, we pin them back and we make them pay for it, tackle them at the four. We stuff them on first down a couple plays later. It was Angelo Blackson that actually penetrated the line and made the tackle, uh, on the safety, uh, and everything. It was, it was really quiet in Soldier Field yesterday. I was like, I know it wasn't a sold-out crowd. The place was not filled to capacity, nor really should it be. I mean, what, what would, with especially with Justin Fields not playing, what was the, what were the fans there to see? You know, uh, especially you know, braving the elements with the cold and and all that kind of stuff. It just, it just, you know, for me, I would have sold the tickets. It wouldn't have been worth it to go, especially if I knew Fields wasn't playing, because it's just like, okay. We get Andy Dalton, who will not be with the Bears next year, not likely, 
uh, anyway. And, you know, a, and, and Nagy has just given Ryan Pace a middle finger all the way out uh, this last month uh, of the season. He started Jason Peters over Tevin Jenkins. Uh, Artie Burns and Kendall Vildor were on the field before uh, Thomas Graham. I think uh, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic for Chicago released the um, – the snap counts for uh, for the for the team yesterday. Tevin Jenkins played seven snaps. Thomas Graham played nine, uh, or something like that. It's just like, what are we doing here? I mean, it was a strategy in a way that worked, but winning the game wasn't the chief objective here. I mean, not at this point. Winning the game is kind of a silver lining. We should be trying to develop these guys and get them ready uh, for next season. You know, let's pretend at least for these three hours that you're not getting fired in in eight days or seven days, a week from today on the 10th, by the way. Um, You know, let's pretend and play the guys that we, that, you know, are going to be on this team next year. Uh, in 2020, I mean, especially Tevin Jenkins, he's going to be the starting left tackle next year. And, uh, you know, Jermaine Afidi is healthy. So why didn't he start over Larry Borum? I mean, with, if we're going with the rationale for veterans over rookies and, you know, all that kind of stuff, Larry Borum shouldn't have been our starting right tackle yesterday. It should have been our Jermaine Afidi because he's the veteran. He's the, got the experience. He can go out there and blah, 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 blah. But Tevin Jenkins over, and you know, it, it's not so much that I had a problem with Jason Peters or anything that he's done. He has been, you know, in, in my opinion, he's way up there on this football team for MVP because what he did, what we asked him to do, uh, you know, and expecting the absolute worst as far as him repeating his injury problems. And yes, he missed a couple of games this year, but I mean, in Philadelphia, the last three four years he's missed more than he's played over the last handful of seasons. I mean, he missed the entire playoff run back in 2017. I think he was injured again when they played the bears in the, in the wild card round in, in, in 2018 uh, and things like that. So, I mean, it's just, he's missed so much time recently. That's why Philadelphia had no problem letting a future hall of famer go. Cause he's 39 years old. He's done, you know, just let him go. And it didn't look like Peters had any you know plans on really, playing football until we called in desperation and look what we got from him. You know, yeah, he had some bad moments that Cleveland game, but that was a nightmare for everybody, not just him. And, you know, more times than not, he has been the hall of famer that we were hoping that he would be. And, you know, so it's like, I have no problem with Jason Peters Uh, in, in any other situation. Yes, absolutely. It's fine that he's playing, but we're five and 10. The season is over. You're on a one-year deal, likely to retire and or go back to your go back to fishing in in Georgia or whatever. Uh, when uh, when this season is over, Tevin Jenkins is the starting left tackle right now for 2022. He's the starting left tackle. We know that. Why aren't we preparing for that? Especially with the way that he struggled earlier, um, you know, like in the Vikings game, and then when he had to come off the bench uh, against the the Packers. He needs the reps. Obviously, he needs the reps. But instead, we put Peters out there, you know, which is fine, but it's not what we should have been doing. And, you know, Nagy's focus is the opposite of what it should be. Um, he's worried about trying to, to wedge a few victories, uh, you know, into his record uh, before he's uh, shoved out the uh, 
shoved out the door. You know, I, I think he's if he finishes seven and ten. Let's see. Let's do some quick math. Twelve and four and eight and eight is what uh, twenty and twenty and twelve. So that's the first two years. Add eight and eight to that again. You got twenty eight and twenty. And then let's say we we win on Sunday against the Vikings. Seven wins would be thirty five and ten losses. Was it four, eight, and eight, sixteen, and twenty, and thirty? So thirty-five and thirty. He's going to have a winning record either way, even with the playoff loss. If you throw that in there, it's thirty-five and thirty-one, or actually thirty-five and thirty-two because we lost both of our playoff appearances. So, I don't know. So, but I, I you know, the guy has uh, spent his entire tenure in Chicago doing it his way. Why would he change now? So, but. Um, you know, that even with the fireworks that we were getting from this team, fireworks we haven't seen from them before, uh, or at least not enough this year, uh, the, the crowd was absolutely dead. You know, just just flat, and they were there, and that was it. You, you, you barely knew it uh, at times. But, um, <clears throat> you know, we go into the half, we're up 22-3. to three. And um, you wouldn't know it, like I said, but it was, it was just really weird vibe in Soldier Field uh, uh, yesterday watching that game uh, go down. So um, we get into the second half, and right off the bat when the Bears start with the football, we make something happen, and um, then that was pretty much it for the excitement for the, for the, rest, of the, for the rest of the game. I mean, it, you know, going into the uh, third quarter, it, it was just uh, – after we, 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 we come in and, and we start things hot uh, in the third quarter, and it kind of quiet down, quiets down uh, after that. Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears and Giants. And the second half started well. Uh, a, uh, what was it? I think it was 11 plays. 11 plays, 75 yards, five and a half minutes. The Bears marched the ball right down the field. And score on a Montgomery touchdown run from two yards out. Um, set up by a pass interference call where actually uh, Dalton got away with uh, an interception on the play. Uh, but it was also due to the pass interference that uh, the tip ball was there. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, the Bears marched right down the field and put the ball in the end zone to go up 29-3. to And then after that, it's just kind of been a mess uh, of a third quarter. Uh, the Giants are basically refusing to throw the ball. And why are they doing that? Because every time that they do, it turns into disaster. They've dropped back for, I think, maybe eight passes in the entire football game thus far. Mike Lennon's been sacked four or five times. He's been strip-sacked twice by Travis Gibson. Uh, and just it just happened again uh, here in the third quarter. He got sh- stripped... Uh, Strip uh, Glennon was recovered by Kyrus Tonga, only it was immediately canceled out by Dalton throwing an interception on the first play after the fumble recovery. So, you know, tit for tat uh, on that one. Um, but the Giants, you know, they, they are running the ball well, but, you know, you can't, I mean, the Bears are loading up the box. They've been run blitzing a lot here in the third quarter. So they're, you know, the Giants have, a, you know, it's a, uh, two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. Like they're making more progress than they're not, but it's not enough. They can't sustain drives just running 
the football. So eventually they do have to pass. And apparently their coaching staff is just as incompetent as ours because rather than try to roll, I mean, not that Glennon's the most mobile guy in the world, but roll him out of the pocket, get him away, get him out of harm's way. They've done that once. And that was like the one time they completed a pass out into the flat, got some nice yardage. Otherwise, they've got Glennon dropping back into this pocket that is collapsing on top of him. And he's getting blindsided, balls getting popped out, uh, that kind of thing. So we enter the fourth quarter. Um, I believe we have the ball, or we're about to get it, one of the two. I think we have the ball. Uh, Going to start the fourth quarter up 29-3. to three. Yeah, we've got the ball right at our own 35-yard line. And uh, seems like we're going to coast to victory number six on the year. So like I said, it was a sharp start. 11 plays, 75 yards, and that was basically it for the quarter after that because, you know, we had a really nice drive uh, that we put together, get it down to the two-yard line thanks to the uh, interception that was ruled, uh, that was uh, canceled out by the pass interference uh, penalty. Monty runs in for his second touchdown uh, of the game. And then, you know, like I said, the Bears were, were crowding the box. They started run blitzing. Uh, to try to nullify the Giants. They were basically daring the Giants to throw the ball, and they were pr- they pretty much refused to do it. It was like I said in the, in the, in the reaction. They were just actually just going to keep trying to, to run the ball and chisel away at it. They were running the ball like they were in a one-score game when they were down 29-3 pretty much right away in the third quarter. So, uh, I mean, like I said, it, it was deep into the fourth quarter before they really started abandoning the run and uh, throwing the football. And uh, like I said, the, even then, Mike Glennon only finished with 11 pass attempts uh, on the day. I mean, I think when, when I said that he had eight pass attempts uh, going into the fourth quarter, I think that was a generous assessment as to how many times he'd actually uh, thrown the ball uh, at that point. He finished with 11, and they threw it way more often in the fourth quarter than they did at any other point uh, in the ball game. So, uh, you know, like I said, it was the one of the, the other highlight after the uh, touchdown drive to start things off was, uh, you know, Travis Gibson, a second strip sack, this time recovered by uh, Tonga, but canceled out right away by the fact that uh, Andy Dalton threw it to a uh, wide open uh, Bradbury. Uh, the problem is that uh, Bradbury plays for the Giants and not the uh, Bears. Um, I don't know what happened there because Dalton, or excuse me, Robinson was open, but I think maybe he threw it too too out, too far out in front because it wasn't one of those where the receiver uh, jumped the route or he or he actually he didn't cut off uh, Robinson and jump out in front of him. He was behind Robinson, so I think maybe he overthrew it uh, a little bit, led Robinson a little too far or, or something, but it ended up in Bradbury's hands and not in Robinson. So. That uh, you know, euphoric moment of another strip sack and and decent field position at midfield and everything was nullified uh, almost immediately uh, by the uh, by the interception. So, and then a few plays later on third down, one of the rare opportunities that the Giants took upon themselves to throw the ball, and Artie Burns, you know, dropped an interception, hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. Uh, and then, like I said, we go into the fourth quarter where we just basically played football for 15 minutes until the clock ran out. The big excitement that happened in the fourth quarter uh, was Quinn's uh, record-setting record uh, sack. So um, 
it, you know, it, it just it was a, a fairly uneventful second half. Uh, they were just trying to get us out of here, and that was basically. I don't, maybe that's what the strategy was for the Giants. They just wanted to get the game over with. We just want to get out of here. Obviously, it's clear we're not going to be able to win this game because the one thing that we need to do in order to try to catch up as quickly as possible is impossible for us to do today because anytime we try to throw the ball, there are angry pass rushers feasting on our quarterback. And it wouldn't be so bad if every time they touched him, he didn't fumble the ball. So, you know, it's like anytime they got to Mike Glennon, the ball was being fumbled, it's coming out or or something like that. I mean, you know, it'd be something else if he was getting sacked and just losing yardage. It's like, no, no, no. He's getting sacked and coughing up the ball uh, at the same time. So not only is it a negative play, it's a double negative. And in this case, a double negative is not a positive uh, for the Giants. It's a positive for the Bears, but definitely not uh, for New York. So we go into the fourth quarter to wrap things up. And, um, you know, it was a no-nonsense knee-jerk reaction because literally nothing uh, of, of anything really exciting happened, and I just kind of literally run through the highlights on this particular uh, reaction. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Giants. And uh, with the, uh, the game being well in or no longer in doubt or well in hand or whatever you want to call it, the uh, you know, very little to talk about in the fourth quarter. Here are the thing. Here are the highlights. Number one, Robert Quinn did in fact break the sack record. Um, he got a strip sack of Glennon about midway through the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, this the third strip sack of the game was recovered by the Giants, so we didn't get the ball back. Um, Deion Bush had an interception in the uh, in the quarter that got the Bears inside the red zone for their last drive. And uh, the Bears decided to go for it on fourth and four inside the 10 and uh, ran the Wildcat. And Montgomery threw a pass that if he throws it correctly, if he throws it properly, it's a touchdown to Cole Komet. However, he doesn't put enough on it. It's picked off by the Giants. They just ran out the clock to give us our final score. So there you go. A meaningless victory and a meaningless game against two teams going absolutely nowhere. The Bears improve to 6-10. and 10. The Giants fall to 4-12. and 12. We move on to our season finale on the road next year, or next year, uh. next week, against the Vikings. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk bears, let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <laughs> that Wildcat play was uh, like a little taste uh, of 2018. 
when when Nagy was you know always trying to come up with the fun stuff or the creative things uh, in in the goal line and uh, and whatnot. I'm not really sure why the Bears got away from that. I mean, I know it's because more times than not we we had a lot of trouble getting into that spot, so we just wanted to take it seriously and, and try to get our best play, uh, you know, called to get our points and and what have you. But uh, you know. Kyrus Tonga running the, you know, being the fullback on that touchdown run at the uh, at the start of the ball game, and you know this wildcat thing, fourth and four from like the seven or something like that. Um, it reminded me of that play where the back. It was several years ago. The Chiefs. It was either a Monday night game or a, it may have even been a playoff game. Um, but their defensive tackle, um. Poe was his last name. I can't think of his first name. He was a first-round pick, uh, ended up going to Atlanta and things like that. Um, he gets the shotgun snap, takes a few steps forward, and then kind of dumps it over the top for a touchdown pass. That's basically what David Montgomery was trying to do. But like I said, he just didn't put enough he didn't put enough throw into the throw, and it it would have been like I said, it was a, a well called play as far as like it was designed well uh, and everything. The guy that ended up intercepting the pass, he was beat for sure, or at least he was definitely caught with his pants down because he was definitely in recovery mode. But like I said, uh, Montgomery just flat out did not put enough uh, into the throw. Otherwise, he he hits Cole Komet wide open in the middle of the. Uh, end zone but he just kind of does this little flip of a throw and he really should have actually just reached back a little bit and put a little something on it uh when that, that would have been the touchdown but instead it you know it floats a little too much float in the throw and uh, it gets picked off and the bears are turned away and and all that kind of stuff so it wouldn't have been so much about like running up the score so much it would have been to just have a little fun at the end of the game uh, kind of thing because Nagy and uh, you could see them, you know, kind of laughing and stuff on the sidelines even after they just turned over uh, the football uh, and everything. But it was a fun little moment to see it. I mean, I know I laughed when I saw the interception and not in one of those like it's I'm laughing to keep from crying moments. It was a genuinely funny kind of thing to see. But like, <laughs> look at what these guys are doing. It's like, how hilarious is that? And, you know, he's wide open, but, you know, Montgomery just didn't put enough on it and, you know, we were obviously four scores ahead and, and all that kind of stuff. So there, there was it was a no harm, no foul kind of uh, turnover there uh, at the end of the game. So in uh, the Dion Bush play, I was able to, I went and watched the uh, the highlights again today just to kind of go through everything. That's where I saw it was Blackson that had the the tackle for the safety and uh, and what have you. Uh, Dion Bush actually made a really nice play uh, on that uh, interception uh, of Glennon in the uh, in the fourth quarter. There he did step in front uh, of a throw. He did cut off a receiver's uh, route, and you know, kind of uh, while he was trailing, he stepped in front of it, was able to make the play on it, and then make a you know return uh, before he was taken out or taken down, I should say, uh, in you know in deep in Giants territory once again. And then the uh, the sack from Quinn. That was a fun moment, and um, Matt Nagy actually called a timeout so he could be acknowledged for it because it looked like the Giants were going to try to rush the ball uh, back to the line of scrimmage and call a play or you know do whatever. And uh, Nagy called a timeout, so 
Uh, you know, the Bears could put it up on the big screen. He just set the single season sack record, blah, blah, blah. Big fan uh, to uh, Robert Quinn and so on and so forth. Because um, the score didn't change. The the Giants sure as hell didn't score in that uh, that uh, attempt at, at, a, at a pass from David Montgomery was the closest thing that we had to a, a scoring, uh, scoring drive uh, in the fourth quarter. So anyway, guys. That's it. There's your uh, there's your fourth quarter, uh, or there's your your football game. The Bears win it twenty twenty nine to three. Now we head into this uh, equally uh, unimportant football game against the Vikings on Sunday because they were eliminated from playoff contention when they lost to Green Bay on Sunday Night Football uh, last night. So they're not playing for anything. Uh, as we talked to uh, Chris Gates, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. It's likely that, uh, you know, even if the Vikings did make the playoffs and say they made an early exit, Zimmer was probably going to get fired. Now that they're not making the playoffs at all, I would say the likelihood of him being let go is pretty good um, as well. So we'll talk to Chris about that uh, on Thursday and uh, preview what we can about this this game uh, on Sunday. The rumor is right here, right now, the rumor is that uh, Justin Fields will start against the Vikings. So that should be fun. If it actually happens, that would be nice. Um, Then hopefully we'll see a lot more Thomas Graham, a lot more Tevin Jenkins and, uh, you know, Daz Newsome, maybe even Rodney Adams and, you know, just throw them all out there. What the hell, man? Uh, you know what difference does it make at this point? Let the let the kids play. You know, let them go out there and play. Quite frankly, I love Jason Peters. I will always be grateful for what we got from him uh, in 2021 on the field and off the field because I hear he's been a hell of a leader uh, for those young guys uh, on the offensive line uh, as well. But I don't care if Jason Peters even dresses for this game. As far as I'm concerned, he should be inactive on Sunday. Let Tevin Jenkins play. You know, let him go out there, let him play, um, and everything. It's like the only reason that Tevin Jenkins shouldn't play on Sunday or the reason he shouldn't start on Sunday is if we're um, protecting him because he had that shoulder injury against the Seahawks. I mean, he was good enough to play uh, this past Sunday, so he should be good enough to play against the uh, Vikings. So unless we're having some kind of injury concern with him, he should be on the field. Uh, on Sunday, he should be our starting left tackle. Period. So, um, uh, anyway, that's really all I got, guys. Uh, short show for a kind of a silly game. Uh, you know, it was fun for us as Bear fans to watch the Bears dominate somebody for uh, for once. Because even when we dominated the Bengals uh, in Week Two, we had that scare towards the end of the uh, game where what was twenty to three ended up being twenty to seventeen and. Uh, and things like that 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 didn't happen this time around there was no uh there was no savior uh there was no big play from uh Mike Lennon to uh uh whoever their wide receivers were yesterday uh or anything like that that just flat out did not happen so there was no worry there was no concern or or anything like that and like i said in in, in a lot of spots yesterday the game was pretty boring uh when the bears didn't have any of their fireworks moments the the interim was not very 
entertaining. You could hear a pin drop. And it, the only thing that could explain that other than the fact that the, the crowd was just dead was that maybe CBS didn't spend the money on the equipment to mic the crowd properly. It was like, otherwise, it was just flat and quiet and dead uh, throughout the uh, game. You know, it was like the fans were just there. They weren't really uh, enjoying themselves too much. But what are you going to do? We got the win, which is the most important thing. Well, most of the time anyway. But, um, you know, like I said, the Bears improved to 6-10. and 10. Uh, The Giants fall to 4-12, and 12, and we move on to take on the 7-9 and nine Vikings on Sunday. So could we end up in second place? Is second place on the line? I just, I'm just now thinking that. I mean, we're 6-10. and 10. The Vikings are 7-9. and nine. If we win, we're both 7-10. and 10. I know that we've split the series, but, uh, you know, I think maybe they'd be in second place because they have a better division record. I don't know, actually. Because they split with Green Bay. They split with Detroit as well. And they would have split with us to be 3-3. Three and three. We were swept by Green Bay. We, we swept Detroit, so that's 2-2. Two and two. We would also be 3-3 three and because three, we split... We would if we win, we we split with Minnesota, huh? I wonder how that works. I wonder what the tiebreaker would be to decide who's who's the second place finisher. Maybe it would be the conference record or something like that. Because head to head would be a split, and uh, you know maybe it would come down to points. You know they they beat us seventeen to nine, so we made it. If you know, I think uh, with the uh, with a you know a three and three division record or a split between uh, us and them, maybe we'd have to beat them by nine points or more to to get a differential you know uh, advantage or something. We'll talk to Chris about that on Thursday. And I was like, "Hey, Chris, you're out of the playoffs. We're out of the playoffs. We're not playing for anything, but are we playing for second place? Because we'll both be seven and ten if the Bears win on Sunday. So." You know, interesting, because that changes the schedule for the Bears. You know, like right now, we're looking at, um, I think we're looking at New Orleans. No, we're looking at at Atlanta, uh, because they're in third place in the south. Uh, Third place in the west is the 49ers, so we get to play them again. Um, We're playing the NFC East, so that doesn't matter, but the other... um, I think our AFC division next year is going to be the South. And right now the Texans are in third place. So the Texans, the 49ers, and the um, Falcons would be our same place opponents next year. And we play the AFC East and the NFC East. So the Patriots, Dolphins, Bills, and Jets, along with the Cowboys, whatever Washington's going to be called next year the Giants, and the Eagles. So we get to play the Giants for like the fifth year in a row now because we played them in 2018. 2019, we played the NFC East again. And in 2020 and 2021, they have been same-place opponents. So next year, we're back to the NFC East. So we play the Giants for the fifth year in a row next year. So that's kind of crazy. But um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that and see, you know, are the Bears playing for second place uh, on Sunday, which would change things dramatically. That changes second place from the 49ers in the West to the Cardinals again. And that goes from the Falcons to the Saints. 
And in it goes from in the AFC South, that would go to the Texans to the Colts. So that's definitely as far as like a team that's looking to kind of, you know, rebuild itself uh, next year with with an, like with with definitely a new coaching staff, but maybe even a new GM and uh, and what have you. I want that third place schedule instead of the second place schedule. Just right now, as things are, that's where I would like to go with that. So we'll talk to Chris about that on Thursday. See if um, you know second place is on the line. It's like is is that what's going to happen? Because it's like you know, like I said, I'm sitting here trying to figure things in my head. You, 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 if if we win on Sunday, you've split with every team in the division, so you're three and three. And with us, we got swept by Green Bay, but we swept the Lions. If we split with you, we're we're also three and three. So how does the tiebreaker work? Do we have to win by more than eight points to because you beat us by eight points in the first matchup, and so on and so forth? I'm going to do some digging and see what. Uh, what uh, what that boils down to because it really does change the schedule quite a bit for the Bears, uh, the, you know, if we finish in third place or if we finish uh, in second. So I'm going to do a little homework between now and our talk with uh, Chris Gates. So come back on Thursday to hear what my uh, to hear what my discovery is. What facts did I learn? Are the Bears in fact playing for second place once again in the division? Uh, or should we let the Vikings have it so we get that third place schedule, which is an easier batch of teams? I mean, the 49ers are going to be no cakewalk, but I'll take uh, a couple of uh, games with the Texans and the uh, Falcons over the Saints and the Colts on that one. So, And the Cardinals, because, yeah, nobody wants to do that. But anyway, come back on Thursday, see what we figure out. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.